Hi, and welcome to Jewish Time, a podcast brought to you by the Atlanta Jewish Times, keeping Jewish Atlanta connected. I'm your host, Jeff Silberblatt, and my mission is to bring you an interesting and timely conversation each month. This podcast features two guests. First, Harley Tabak. He's the CEO of Jewish Home Life, and he'll tell us how they are weathering the COVID-19 coronavirus outbreak in the facilities where they manage and work in Metro Atlanta. And we'll speak to Nancy Kreisman, a licensed clinical social worker who will discuss how COVID-19 coronavirus is affecting our elderly family members. This podcast features interviewer Dave Schechter. Dave is a freelance writer who files a regular column and in-depth articles for the Atlanta Jewish Times. His background includes more than 28 years with CNN, beginning as a producer in the Jerusalem Bureau, and then many years on the network's national news desk here in Atlanta. His articles for the Atlanta Jewish Times have garnered awards from the American Jewish Press Association and the Religion News Association. Now, here's Dave Schechter. My guest is Harley Tabak, president and CEO of Jewish Home Life. Harley, for those who may be unfamiliar with Jewish Home Life, could you please give us a brief overview of the facilities you oversee and how many clients your agency cares for? Sure. Uh, We have a number of different uh, physical communities and we have community-based services. So our physical communities are the William Bremen Jewish Home and Aviv Rehab Center, the Zabin Tower, independent living and uh, for low income, and the Jewish Tower. We have Weinstein Hospice, a community-based service here on this campus as well. We have Berman Commons, assisted living in uh, Dunwoody, and we have uh, uh, the Cone Home, which is assisted living in Johns Creek. Uh, we have a private home care company. All told, we're, we care for about over 500 people in, in our buildings and over 100 or more in, in their home. Uh, Harley, if you could please, what is Jewish home life doing to secure the health of these people who are among the most vulnerable uh, to the spread of COVID-19? So we implemented uh, more than two weeks ago in our physical buildings, our bricks and mortar. We closed entrance to visitors, except for those in the act of dying process. And we uh, implemented as well, every caregiver entering the building or staff member is uh, required to be tested for temperature whenever they enter the building and any signs of uh, upper respiratory issues and knowing their history of travel. So those are, those are the things we uh, implemented more than two weeks ago to uh, ensure that those people entering the building, uh, to the best of our ability, didn't carry the virus. We've also done many things to sanitize our building. Do we normally do anyway, but we've uh, expanded in the frequency of how often we clean our surfaces throughout all of our buildings. And we have our nurse practitioners in our building more regularly checking, uh, especially for elevated temps of our patients. We're also working very closely with our medical directors and medical advisors to make sure that we're complying with all the latest uh, CMS guidelines uh, regarding COVID-19 and and the CDC, of course, uh, to make sure that uh, we're in compliance with whatever new regulations they're coming out with. Let me ask about one aspect in particular, the restriction on visitors, except for the people who are in hospice. I I enjoyed the quote that I got from Sandra Schwartz for the article, who said, if one person in here gets the coronavirus, we're all dead ducks. And she thought that this action to restrict visitors 
was the smartest thing that you could do. But let me ask about this. What are your concerns about the impact of the lack of visitors on the morale and the mental health of the residents? Well, understandably, it's uh, a concern for the residents and their families, of course, not to have in-person interactions. Uh, so what we're trying to do to mitigate that is we're, we're scheduling video calls with uh, residents and their family members uh, that we're facilitating, just so that they can have at least, uh, as, as you and I are on the, with technology, some face-to-face, uh, at least through technology interaction. That is appreciated by uh, many of the residents, so they don't feel so isolated. We're having our staff more regularly update family members about the, the overall condition of their loved one that we believe is helping. It's not the same as face-to-face interaction. Thankfully, with things like uh, FaceTime, uh, not quite as uh, distant as it might have been maybe uh, 10 years ago. Well, let me ask uh, a last question, Harley. Given the important role that Jewish home life plays in the Jewish community of Atlanta, do you have all the resources that you need to cope with the coronavirus, especially if this crisis goes on for weeks or months? Uh, it's a struggle, I will tell you, just as it is for every healthcare organization in this country, uh, especially hospitals, nursing homes, assisted living. Unfortunately, there is not yet adequate access to testing. Uh, there's not yet adequate uh, personal protective equipment. So we are literally uh, every day scrambling with various uh, vendors to obtain what we need to uh, protect our residents and our staff. Well, Harley, thank you very much. Again, this is Harley Tabak, the president and CEO of Jewish Home Life. Appreciate you taking the time to talk to us on the Atlanta Jewish Times podcast. Thanks for having me. Joining me now is Nancy Kreisman. She is a licensed clinical social worker with 35 years experience working with the elderly and their families. Nancy, in general terms, what role do the families play in the lives of the elderly who either live in an assisted or independent living situation or in their own homes, but with care from uh, an organization such as Jewish Home Life? What, what is the most important thing that the families do on their behalf? Well, besides really grounding them and helping them feel like they matter and staying connected to them relationally, they really serve as advocates. And they're the eyes and ears for making sure that things are going the way they should be going in these communities, whether it be a nursing home, assisted living, or in their own home with home care. So let me then narrow it in. With the coronavirus, what is the most important thing that these families should be doing to support their elderly relatives? I think it's super important that they find as many different ways to stay connected. And, you know, the challenge sometimes is that older people may have different disabilities. They might not be able to see, they might not be able to hear. And so it's important for families to pay attention to what is going to be the best way for them to communicate with them. Nancy, can you explain to the audience what the dangers are of isolation for the elderly, either in a care facility or in their own home? What are the risks to the elderly when they are find themselves in a situation where their contact with the outside world, so to speak, is diminished? You know, it's interesting because you almost have to look at people who are cognitively impaired and it's different for them versus people who are not cognitively impaired to some degree. Folks that are cognitively impaired 
tend to not always understand time. They might not realize that it's been days and days and days since they've seen their family member where somebody who isn't cognitively impaired is aware and it doesn't quite understand the whole social distancing thing. When they're in their own homes, it's a different deal. If they're not cognitively impaired, um, we have to figure out sending them cards, little care packages, um, and really connecting FaceTime or whatever different way you can that they're comfortable with. I get the impression, talking with Harley and reporting on the story that I did, that the care facilities are kind of between a rock and a hard place. They have to take every precaution possible to avoid the introduction of COVID-19 into the facilities, which as we saw in Washington State can have awful uh, repercussions, and at the same time maintain some sense of of, uh, normalcy in communication between residents and the families who are in themselves cut off. What is it the facilities can do that would be the best uh, effort at at maintaining the morale and the psyche of the residents while also protecting their health? Well, I think when you think about, generally speaking, they have group activities in a lot of these places. And so what they're going to have to do is probably enlist the caregivers along with some of the activity directors, perhaps even some of the department heads, to make visits to the elders in their apartments so that they have some kind of human contact because, you know, they're going to really start missing each other and missing these activities and not understanding why they're not occurring. My My stepmother, for example, is in an assisted living community. And she's luckily has a lot of crafts and, and various things that she, she still enjoys reading. But there are many people who aren't able to focus like that. And so that human contact from the staff and having some way of introducing that to the, you know, the families, to the, to the residents, keeping them connected, it's going to really have a big play on how their mood is for sure. And music is another thing, too, by the way. I I would be having them listen to music as much as possible because that can really help mood a lot. Nancy, I'm fascinated by the comment you made about music. Uh, My own mother-in-law, who has memory care issues, music has been a part of her life for decades, and it's one of the things that she can uh, hold on to. So what is it that makes music different than any other activity Uh, in the lives of the elderly? For whatever reason, we have found that music stays in the brain the longest. And particularly the generation of people that are now in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, particularly 80s and 90s, really grew up on music, for sure. I mean, it really made a huge difference in their lives. They went to dances, sing-alongs, all kinds of things. And so um, it's just remarkable. People might not even be able to speak but when it when music gets on, they can say all the words. They can sing them all. The, it, it's incredible. And it really, really makes a difference in terms of helping them stay connected to their past, stay connected to the people in their lives that they love. You know, a certain song um, brings back all kinds of memories. Nancy, that's an absolutely fascinating point about the music. And it's probably one that all of us who are caring for parents or uh, elderly relatives, that's something we should all keep in mind. Again, my guest has been Nancy Kreisman, licensed clinical social worker with years and years of experience working with the elderly and their families. 
I appreciate you taking the time to talk to the Atlanta Jewish Times on this podcast. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to Jewish Time, a podcast brought to you by the Atlanta Jewish Times. Don't forget to subscribe to the Atlanta Jewish Times and participate in our mission in keeping Jewish Atlanta connected. Check back off on the Atlanta Jewish Times website at atlantajewishtimes.com for a regular schedule of upcoming podcasts. And be sure to share this podcast with your friends and family. I'm sure that they'll appreciate it. I'm Jeff Silberblatt. Thanks for listening.